You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning and welcome to the Tribal Gathering uh, here at 9 o'clock. And what do you say we pray for just a second before we get into the scriptures today? Lord, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, and we open our hearts and our minds to you to receive from you and hear from you by your word and by the Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Well, at any given time in my personal life, I'm involved in a smaller tribal group, a group where I'm encouraged spiritually and where I have the opportunity to encourage other people spiritually, really in a much smaller setting. And my last two small tribes were made up of primarily people in their 20s or so, um, younger people. Uh, Right now, I'm involved in a smaller tribe made up of guys mostly my age, kind of almost in our 20s, right? Or uh, we think we're in our 20s, some of us, but that group has a way of really encouraging me and praying for me and my family. And you know, uh, what I wish and want is that I wish I could be a part of a small group with like everyone in the church. I really do. I love to be around people, and I wish I could just go and be in a group with everyone that's a part of City Church downtown. But I think we all know that that's logistically impossible, um, and I kind of like to see my wife from time to time uh, as well as my kids. But you know what I want for every one of you? I want for every one of you to experience the benefits and the closeness that you can have in tribal community, in a smaller group of people that are your close friends. And honestly, I'm not satisfied with where we're at as a church on this. We have small pockets of close relationship in our church downtown, but I believe that we're capable of much more. And I would guess that there are a good number of people sitting here in the room today who feel alone in the crowd and don't know anyone who's a part of the church. And I want more than that, and I'm gonna need your help on that. Now the question is, how do we facilitate this in a church like ours? Because over the past 30 years in ministry, by the way, I've been in the ministry longer than I've been alive, Um, but in the past 30 years, many years of uh, being a part of churches and the like, I've been exposed to a wide array of different small group kind of models, if you will. Um, in, in my early years, you know, I experienced what's called Sunday school. Some of you have been a part of a church that has Sunday school where at the church was like that, you have to have all these buildings and educational space to hold classrooms that happen on Sundays. And so it's kind of like you go to a class and then you come to the church service. We don't have the buildings to do that kind of thing. Others of you have been a part of CCD classes, you know, in the Catholic church and you have to go to these classes. I don't know that that would work here. And then um, when we started the first city church over on Bandera Road, um, I remember in those days we were trying to be what's called a G12 or a cell church model. And basically, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like a multi-level marketing group, you know, thing with churches, right? So um, like the pastor has a small group of 12 and then those 12 have their 12 and so on and so forth. And you try and connect people in that way. But I don't believe any one of those models would work in a church like ours. I believe the word tribes best describes the way that God intends for us to connect in close, raw, primal, real 
kinds of relationships in our church. Therefore, as Humby said earlier on the video, that we are starting a series called Tribal, where I want to explain this, and it's going to take a couple of months, and I'm going to talk about it until we feel better about it, okay? Um, in fact, it's scheduled for two months now, but I'm going to keep going if I don't feel like we're, we're there. You, you understand? I feel pretty strongly um, about this. And so there's a book called Tribes, and it's by Seth Godin. It's not really a Christian book, but a great book nonetheless. And in this book, uh, Seth Godin says, a tribe is any group of people, large or small, who are connected to one another, a leader, an idea. Um, for millions of years, humans have joined tribes, be they religious, ethnic, political, or even musical. Think deadheads, right? Like the Grateful Dead. Um, it's our nature. And I believe that Godin's tapping into a concept there that is certainly true. God wired each one of us to want to be in a tribe. Then there's the book Urban Tribes, where author Ethan Waters talks about how uh, he and his group of young professionals in an urban context have formed these small uh, groups that um, kind of meet together regularly. They're not in traditional families because they moved away from their families to live in urban settings. And so they have formed these regular rituals where they go to the same coffee shops and pubs and the like, same restaurants at certain times during the week, and they support each other like an extended family. And then, of course, here in the urban core, we have to deal with gangs, but gangs are kind of a tribe, right? And so um, there are gangs like the MS-13, Tango Blast, Texas Mexican Mafia, Crips, Bloods, I could go on and on. But you know about gangs, I mean, they get together like family and they protect each other. And even though they're like committing crimes and all that kind of thing, they've tapped into a biblical concept that we see in Ecclesiastes. Look at me at chapter 4, verse 12, where... Solomon says, someone might be able to beat up one of you, but not both of you. As the saying goes, a rope made of three strands of cord is hard to break. And so I brought this uh, rope from my house today, and it happens to be a rope of three cords. And when I was thinking through this, uh, the rope that Solomon talks about here, I took a pair of scissors at home, and it was kind of hard to get through one of these cords, right? Um, but when you put them all together and I try and get through the thick part of the rope, man, it's very difficult to get through with an average pair of scissors. And this is a spiritual truth, and this is the big idea for the conversation that we're going to be having over the next couple of months and maybe beyond, is that we are better together. We're better together. And so I want you to turn to someone next to you and I want you to tell them, you're my rope. You're, we're rope. We're the cords that we stick together, right? And so if gangs and young urbanites can form families of support to protect each other and get each other's backs, we can do the same thing. And I want to show you a text where this is talked about. Don't clap because you're going to take up my time. I got a lot to talk to you about today. I want to show you this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And this is a vision that we're given in God's word for the tribal living that we're to experience here. It says, they spent their time 
learning from the apostles, and they were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed together. Everyone was amazed by the many miracles and wonders the apostles worked. All the Lord's followers often met together, and they shared everything they had. They would sell their property and possessions and give the money to whoever needed it. Day after day, they met together in the temple, that is publicly, and then they broke bread together in different homes and shared together in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Everyone liked them, and look at this next part, and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. This is what God desires for us. This is a close tribal family here, and one of the customs that, uh, that, that Luke picks up on this text is the uh, Jewish custom of breaking bread. It's just like when we go to restaurants, they bring out the bread first, and we break bread First, right, as a part of our meals. And this represents that tribes eat. Tribes eat. And so when I say tribes, I point to you. I want you to say eat. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Tribes eat. And so I wanted to show you this concept here that tribes intentionally share meals together to foster intimacy. And so when you guys start up tribes, when you go to tribes, tribes eat. You always got to eat, okay? And we love this. But as you're eating, you're getting into the scriptures, right? You're looking at the apostles' teachings. Um, so when we get together and we eat, we also pray together and we pray for each other and we look into God's word to see how we need to live. And so that's why I want to introduce another term. Not only do tribes eat, but there's also a thing I'm going to show you today called tribe talk. Tribe talk. Now, tribe talk are questions that uh, from Sunday's teaching that you can discuss in your tribe, whether you're already in one, whether you start one, you don't have to use the tribe talk, but we're going to make it available every Sunday in case you would like to um, utilize this as a tool in your tribes. We're going to make it available on our website as well as on our Facebook um, each week. But tribes, in addition to eating together and getting into the scriptures and sometimes using the tool we call uh, tribe talk, will also help alleviate each other's suffering. In fact, in the text that we just saw, Luke tells us how sometimes when someone's suffering, you sell what you've got to provide for their needs, right? And to serve other people. And you know, when I think about a group that um, actually suffers together. I can't help but think about that documentary movie from a few years ago called March of the Penguins. Do you remember March of the Penguins? That was a fantastic uh, movie because you saw there how these penguins actually support each other in a very harsh environment. And in the picture you can see there, it's where they're huddled up together and they had this huge circle. And the way that it works is, is that um, the penguins that are in the middle are warmer, right, due to the body heat. And then what they do is they cycle in and out of the middle. And so sometimes you're the penguin on the outside and you're taking the brunt of those harsh Arctic winds and the wind chill to protect the other penguins that are inside the circle. And isn't that a great picture of what we're about as a tribe is that we huddle and we stay together where we protect each other from the harsh winds of this world. And so I want you to take just a second and turn to someone next to you and tell them, you're my penguin. Yeah, we're penguins together. We're better together. But another thing I want to show you about tribes is that, remember in the text it said, 
Every day the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. And so what you've got to understand about tribal living is that, and the kingdom of God is it gets smaller and it gets larger at the same time. It seems to contradict, but it's just true. And Jesus showed us this principle when he talked about the mustard seed. Now, I was curious about mustard seeds when I went to Israel one time. And so in the upper left-hand corner, you can see a picture. I'm holding a little mustard plant in my hand. And if you could look closer at that mustard plant, you would see the individual leaves there in the center of a leaf. You can see a small seed there. That is the smallness of the mustard plant, right? It's just one seed, and that one seed is significant, and it's significant when we are getting smaller in smaller huddles, groups, tribes of people. But what happens is, is when uh, the kingdom gets smaller, the smallest element, the seed of the mustard, it also grows larger. And so in the picture in the bottom right-hand corner, every one of those trees that you can see there are mustard trees. They started as a little seed, but then they grew and took over that whole hillside there in the city of Jerusalem. And that is a picture of our movement. It grows, you know, and Jesus explained, um, you know, in the scriptures that he wanted this tribe of 12, right? And then uh, Judas kind of ejected out of the tribe in a bad kind of way, but then there were, they were left with 11. And from the 11 uh, was born the 120 that were in this upper room in the book of Acts. And then from that, like the next day, they prayed really hard and God added to their number like 3,000 people in one day that were a part of the movement. And then from there, uh, commentator David Stern explains how there were over 10,000 Christ followers in Jerusalem alone. And then if you read history, you would know that uh, Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire. And after like 300 years, it was actually legal to be a Christian. It became the religion of Rome, which brought on a whole new set of problems. But the point I want to make to you is that our movement is one that's made to grow. But you know, what I'm most concerned about right now is not that we get bigger as a church, but that we get smaller as a church. And that we're close like the mustard seed in family tribes. And then God will bring whatever growth he desires when we get the tribal part right. And so the mustard seed is something you got to understand that grows out of control. But here's the thing is when you talk to many church leaders like me, um, when, it, when it comes to small groups or any classes or anything that's going to go on in the church... Uh, pastors always want to know how can you create a system for it where you can keep it under control, right? To make sure that um, people don't go haywire in these groups, right? Um, well, I got to tell you this, that if the apostles would have been too controlling over the, the tribes in the New Testament time, we wouldn't have most of our New Testament here. Because the majority of what we read in the Bible in the New Testament are letters that Paul wrote to tribes in cities to help them overcome problems and to tell them how they were screwing everything up, right? So uh, we can't necessarily keep things under control. Now, if you look throughout the ages, um, leaders have tried to exert influence and control in several different ways. And I'm going to show you just a few of those. Some of them good or some of them bad. Some leaders have used secrets, Right? They know secrets about people, and they use that to influence them. Uh, you know, some of you have seen in the news in recent days, there's a website about people who want to cheat on their spouse and all that kind of stuff, and so they're using that as influence. Then there's information. So when we go to certain professionals, we 
allow them to influence our decisions, say, about our health because they have information that we don't have, right? And then there's chain of command. Those of you that have been in the military, you know all about chain of the command. You have to do exactly what your superior tells you to do. And then there's just brute force. If someone's bigger and stronger than you, then they can influence you and tell you what to do. But Jesus showed us a very superior way to influence others, and it was the ways of humility and service. Humility and service. And that's actually worked in in the way that we think in our economy here in the United States because companies have to bring products and services that we believe help us and serve us. There's no business done in our economy unless we believe it's a good product for us and the seller uh, is benefiting at the same time. So in a, in a society like ours, um, we determine the prices of things too. So if someone's selling watermelons, right, and they're trying to supply our grocery stores with watermelons, and they price those watermelons more than what we value the watermelons, then we won't pay for them, will we? We won't buy them. We'll just buy them from someone else who offers them at a price that is of benefit to us. Therefore, we have created what's called a free market. And people in cultures like ours behave on the principles of the free market. Pastor and author Ted Haggard explains that many church small group systems have not respected the dignity and desires of the individual and that church leaders have uh, often controlled them too tightly. They think they can dictate to the average person what to study in a group and how and when the group should meet. Therefore, we believe here at City Church in what we're calling free market tribes. And you can see on the screen that a free market tribe is the idea that Christ followers have the freedom to decide what types of tribe best serves their spiritual journey. And the cool thing about a free market tribal system is this, that it will dictate the right number of groups in a church um, like ours. Um, because here's what will happen. The pastor doesn't have to coax people into um, attending a group because if the groups that are made available are scratching where people itch and helping them, then people will want to go. Then the pastor doesn't have to coerce and, you know, guilt people into starting classes and groups and the like because people within the congregation will have a vision and a passion in their hearts for something that other people need and they'll rise up and start those different groups and classes um, and tribal communities. And you, as the people of City Church, will vote on the different groups. And you know how you'll vote? By your attendance. If you like a group, you'll go. If you don't like a group, you won't go. We know that that's something that we don't need to offer around here. And you know the tribes that are going to get the most use of our limited space in our buildings and facilities here? are the tribes that the free market decides they need. You'll vote with your attendance. Now, I want to show you two different types of tribes. There are the church-organized tribes, and let me explain 
what that is. Those are the tribes that meet in our buildings, advertise in our services, in our literature, on our online media. In order to start or lead a church-organized tribe, you're going to have to fill out an application. You're going to have to commit yourself to biblical values and living and submit yourself potentially to a background check, and you guys understand all of that, particularly when uh, we have people that are leading our children's or student tribes. We got to make sure everybody's legit, you know what I mean? And so we're very careful here about who leads our church organized tribes. Let me tell you some examples of these types of tribes. There are the uh, recovery tribes. A lot of those meet on Monday night right now. There's the H2O tribe. If you have hurts or hangups, that meets on Thursday nights. There's spiritual formation tribes like the spirituality and film class that meets up here. There are city youth tribes. There are service tribes. Let me explain what I mean by service tribes is that those who find community and serving together, like our tech crew here that serves on Sundays. It's not just about putting on the service, it's about being together, really. There's joy in serving together. Our parking lot guys, they like not only to be out in the heat, but they suffer together like the penguins, right, by serving the rest of us, and they enjoy coffee and conversation with each other uh, while they're serving. Our Kid City tribe, the volunteers. So those are examples of church organized tribes. You understand what I mean by that? Now let me talk about organic kinds of tribes. Organic tribes, there's no need for you to use church facilities or advertise on our website or fill out any type of application. You're committed to God and our church and living out biblical values. We say, if you have an idea, just do it. City Church Pastor Dave Sadoff says, don't get permission get busy. And then there's a pastor and author named Rick Warren who says you can organize for control and you can organize for growth, but you can't do both, right? If things are going to continue to grow, we as a church organization uh, can't try and control everything. So let me describe to you um, several different kinds of tribes that can be either organized or organic. There's what's called an oikos tribe. Now, oikos in the Bible just means your extended family. So some of you have read the story of the Philippian jailer who came to a relationship with Christ, and he and his whole household or his whole oikos came to faith in Christ. And some of you are in very tight-knit family units, right? So I want to give you an example of this. There's a friend of mine here at our church. Her name is Paz Rodriguez. Used to be Rodriguez. Now her last name is Berman because she married a great dude, right? But when Paz uh, invites her tribe her oikos group to church, they fill up a section. She has so many, it's the sisters, it's the cousins, it's the uncles, it's the mom and dad, right? So that you see what an oikos tribe is? It's your family group. And some of you, that's where your spiritual connection and your, your spiritual encouragement can come from. And it's where you can serve other people in an oikos tribe, and some of you can be more intentional about uh, serving your oikos. Then there's what I'm going to call a flash tribe. That's when you spontaneously invite a small group of people to be a tribe without a long-term commitment of meeting every week. And so since I love to be around people so much, during this series, I might just start 
a couple of uh, flash tribes where I might just come up to some of you and say, I'm coming over to your house for dinner tonight, man. Cook me up something good. And I'm going to invite several people that I meet at church. And we're just going to do a flash tribe. We're just going to start it. You could start a flash tribe today. You could just earn someone that you meet here at church. And you could say, hey, let's start a flash tribe. We're not going to meet every week. Let's just go to dinner this week. We'll do tribe talk. We'll pray for each other. We'll look in the word. We'll support each other in prayer. So does that make sense? Flash tribe, kind of like a flash mob. It just pops up at any time. You never know when it's going to happen. And so some of you are suited to do that type of tribe. Then there's what we're going to call the rogue tribe, the rogue tribe. That's when the only time you have, apart from your job and your, your family commitments, is Sunday morning. And so what you do is you take a row that you sit on, and you have this group of people that you hang out with on your row. You come to nine o'clock service. Then from here, you go have brunch together, because remember, tribes what? eat, don't they? And so right after you get done on your row, you're getting the teaching of God's word in the service here, and then you can go do tribe talk over brunch right after the service. You know what? That counts for something, doesn't it? That's a good way uh, to do it, a row tribe. And then there's the missional tribe. These are tribes that live in the same neighborhood and serve their neighborhood together. So there are lots of backyard barbecues where you invite all the neighbors to the barbecue. Because remember, tribes eat, don't they? So there's a lot of eating going on, a lot of serving the neighborhood there. But then there are also what we're going to call hobby tribes, where a hobby tribe can be a number of different things, right? People who like to cycle together, bikers who like to be together and ride motorcycles. Then there are exercise tribes, like they get together and do CrossFit, right? And CrossFit tribes, they only eat paleo, right? Those tribes eat... uh, paleo, you know, and then there's like the kickball tribe and a sewing tribe, and I could go on and on. There are online tribes and breakfast tribes and lunch tribes and dinner tribes, all different kinds of tribes. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Let me make it real clear. Number one, identify the tribe you're already in. It doesn't make sense for us to try and force you into some type of a tribe if you're already in some type of a tribe. And for some of you, you've never just acknowledge or identify the tribe you're already in, but you could be more intentional about um, fully leveraging the benefits of and serving that tribe of people. Number two, start going to a tribe. Maybe you moved here from out of town. You don't know anyone in San Antonio. Well, we've got some tribes set up next door at the bar next door uh, underneath the green canopy out there. You can go to one of those tables. You can sign up for one um, and get to know some other people. Then number three, be a tribal catalyst. Be a tribal catalyst. Let me explain what that is. That's one who initiates the formation of a tribe. See, Uh, Some of you are initiators. Some of you are entrepreneurial starters. You like to start new things, and God is birthing a vision in your heart. It can be a church-organized tribe. If that's the case, you've got to go out there and fill out an application. Or it can be an organic tribe uh, where you just start it on your own. But what if you become a tribal catalyst and started a smaller group of people that were focused on supporting each other and encouraging each other in the Lord. I mean, you, you know that there are people at your schools, in your neighborhoods, at your workplace, and in your extended family who are struggling with things like handling their money, like lust, like uh, loneliness and depression and sometimes substance abuse. And most of all, there are people in your circles of influence who 
don't know about their eternal destiny and their relationship with God? What kind of eternal impact does God want to make in and through you as a tribal catalyst? Well, there's this author I really like named Erwin McManus. And Erwin describes that most groups of animals have unique names and designations for their tribes, right? So as you think about animals, I want you to think about the names of their tribes. So bees are called what? Swarms. Then ants are in what? Colonies, like it's a colony of ants. Some of these are not well known, but whales are in pods, aren't they? Then fish are in schools, good. Cattle are in, birds are in flocks, right? Uh, lions are in what's called a pride. Crows are in murders. Isn't that weird? Crows are like straight up creepy, right? And so are grackles, by the way. When I eat at Taco Cabana, I don't know why the grackles are drawn to like Taco Cabanas and stuff like that, but, um, but those are satanic birds. I hate those things. Uh, but tigers are in what's called an ambush. And then buzzards are in what's called a committee, okay? <laughs> I've been a part of some churches in the past, and that buzzard thing makes total sense, right? Uh, they had committees in, in some of those churches. Flamingos are in what's called flamboyance, and then owls are in groups called parliaments. I thought that was kind of stately, right? Uh, that's pretty cool. But my favorite one of all of the designations is the one for rhinos. Now, before I tell you that one, let me explain a little bit about rhinos. See, rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, okay? And that's pretty awesome considering that rhinos are huge beasts, right? They're going... 30 miles an hour. In fact, a rhino can run faster than a squirrel. You know, squirrels can only go 26 miles an hour, but no one's freaking out if you're getting charged by a squirrel, okay? You can just kick them out of the way. I mean, if you have to, only in self-defense. Never hurt a fuzzy little animal unless it's self-defense. You know what I'm saying? But no one's worried about getting charged by a squirrel. But here's the problem for, for about rhinos, okay? Rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, but they can only see 30 feet in front of themselves, right? And so you would think that they would be afraid in their group to run 30 miles an hour because they don't know fully what's out in front of them if they can only see 30 feet ahead. That leads us to the name of a tribe of rhinos. It is called a crash. And I think that's awesome, isn't it? They're called a crash, you know? And I think that's what we're supposed to be as a church, is we're supposed to be like a group of rhinos going full speed ahead like a crash, see? And so when we get in tribal communities and live in these primal, raw, and real relationships, our church becomes like this unstoppable force. And we don't have to pretend to know the future, right? We don't know what's 31 feet out. But it doesn't matter that we don't know what's 31 feet out because whatever's at 31 feet better get out of the way because we're fixing to crash into it, right? It's going to happen. And so the future is waiting to be created. It's uncertain right now, but we can move into the future 
with confidence because we know that there's humanity waiting to be liberated. We don't know what's at 31 feet out in our future, but we do know what's right in front of our face, and that is humankind that are suffering from loneliness and hopelessness and fear. And I want to ask you, will you join me like a crash of rhinos moving forward at full speed in tribal communities? Will we do it? I hope so. And you know, we're better together. But here's the thing about joining the tribe here is that some of you have never known a relationship with God. And what you've got to understand is, is that you can't initiate yourself into this tribe. You're not worthy. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that someone else had to pay the ransom in order for you to get into Jesus' tribe. That's actually described in Revelation 5, 9, where we get this picture of heaven in the future, and it says, and they sang a new song. And with these words, speaking to Jesus, Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it, because Jesus lived the perfect life, right? And then the next sentence, it says, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And if you would like to be a part of his tribe, you can do that today if you'd like, if you never have. So let's bow for prayer with this in mind. Perhaps some of you would like to pray and join in relationship with God, which is an invitation to tribal living. Perhaps you'd say, God, I know I'm not worthy because I know it takes perfection to have a relationship with you. And perfection I am not. I have sinned. But right now, the best I know how I choose to believe, Jesus, that you were slaughtered and your blood was shed on the cross so that I could come into relationship with God. You paid my ransom, and so I welcome you into my life. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that you would give us visions and dreams of tribal living and some to rise up as tribal catalysts so that we can see this close family connection that we so desperately desire for our church. And we ask you for this in Jesus' powerful name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.